I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I am Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and this is part two of understanding our financial principles that we started off with Anupam Gupta. He's the host of Paisa Vesa on the IBM Network, and it's an absolutely brilliant podcast. I'm a big fan of it. So let's jump straight in and understand about our financial principles. You know, people often wonder. Like I used to wonder every time my relationship manager used to come and say, "Acha, you have to now tell me what is your risk appetite." I'm like, "Hey, risk appetite. I don't even know how to begin thinking about it." Right? Do you have a few tips on people who are just getting onto this process on how to start thinking about what is your risk appetite? I know it's very very personal but like do you have some thumb rules or something that you can so, think of I like to think of risk as a function of two things the amount of money you're putting in and the time horizon that you have that's it that's all that risk is that it's nothing else for that amount of money time that you have that's it you know so if you say that you've got a really long time frame then you can take your risk a little bit higher mm. okay if you've got a really shorter time frame then you got to take care of the risk and risk here is the amount of money that you're willing to lose put it another way risk is what stops you from having a good night's sleep okay if you can figure out what are the three things that will disturb your sleep and wreck you your invest there you go that's your investment for you okay and never ever tell yourself that this is the amount i can lose that's a dangerous question okay because the day that you actually lose it you're a different person you're a very different person and losing 100 rupees in a 1 lakh bet will not even hurt you okay So don't say that you lost hundred on a one lakh bet because that's meaningless. But losing one lakh in a ten lakh bet, okay, you're going to like you know you'll be like really worried. Okay, this shit is not for me. You'll probably say that losing nine lakhs in a ten lakhs bet, man, that's going to be tough. That is risk. That is essentially risk. It's best if you work with percentages out here and create scenarios like this is a pot of money I've got and I've got five years to invest this. You know, I can wait for five years. patience okay that, that's one more factor out here and then play with scenarios yeah you know that i can put 5 lakhs 1 lakh 1 lakh 1 lakh this one i'm ready to you know take a 18% return or a 50% return this one i can lose the entire thing okay this one i want it to be safe so break it down into smaller numbers and percentages and you'll get some idea of the risk that you can take and that'll help you you know in not uh, okay i'll give you risk in another way okay a lot of people obsess about where to invest there are enough studies that show that in a portfolio of stocks or mutual funds there are probably two or three just that's it which are really the bumper lotteries that you get okay that's it two or three that's all that will work for you in a very big way the vast majority you know six seven will at best give you market level returns so they'll give you something above something below if the market's going at 12% you'll probably get 11% or a 15% okay and then there'll be some that just don't work they'll just they'll just lie there and languish if they are not already totally dead so imagine the dispersion out here and the unpredictability that is risk very interesting i remember while you were talking i was smiling because um, i remember uh, my grandmother and so as parsis we used to put little bit of money in the, in the stock market whenever we got it and my grandmother you can imagine how much she would have put but some of the things she did was she bought hindustan unilever ipo so you can imagine yeah. that growing and over the, like over these last 90 years or something god knows how long it's been i love the stories yeah i love those stories ipos or you know huls and nestle and all yeah, these are good companies yeah they also pay you back and there are companies that whose stock price have gone nowhere for 10 years exactly okay? that's years also a long time 10 so. stocks maybe one would have still survived all the other companies would have shut down 
Yeah, yeah. Right? But it's this one that has paid for all these others for like God knows how many years. And I think that is one important aspect of thinking about money. Like you were saying patience, right? This is a patience principle. Sorry, you were saying something. Yeah, I was going to tell you about a real life story that we've quoted in the book. You know, we quoted it, uh, Saurabh quoted it in Coffee Can Investing. And I think that Coffee Can Investing is the one book which is probably the most India relevant most comprehensive, most easy to understand book that anybody can read for their money. Okay, if you've, if, if you've not bought it, my recommendation would be for you to buy it. It is really worth the money that you put in. So, it, so this entire concept of coffee can is a US concept, right? In the US concept back in the whatever 1920s or whenever it was, was nothing but you take a lot of money, put it in a can. That time coffee was sold in a can, shut the can, put it somewhere and forget about it. And then after 10, 20 years, you get the money back. Of course, it's not earned any rate of return. But it's what you keep aside for a safe day or whatever it is you want to call it. So that's why coffee can. Right. So he gave the example of a very, uh, not example, it's a real life incident of a very big wealth manager, you know, whatever, look at it as a Morgan Stanley or UBS, whatever. They were advising their client on a portfolio of stocks. Okay. And they said, buy this, buy that. And the client obviously bought it, blah, blah, whatever. The client passed away and then the wealth managers went to their wife, went to his wife. And the wife said, you know what? I also bought the stocks. I was, I was running my secret portfolio on the side. You guys didn't know. My husband probably knew. I don't know. All that. But I did only one thing different. That you guys told me to buy, sell shares. I mean, you guys told my husband that sell this share, buy this share, sell this share, buy this share. You don't know what I did? I just took the first recommendation and I didn't do anything after that. I literally didn't do anything after that. And here is my portfolio. And the guys were amazed because that portfolio was massive. Okay. And when they had a look at the names, they were like, wow, okay. Some recommendations went really right. Some, guess what? Kodak was there. Spectacular fail. Imagine that. But that's what the coffee can was about. Just buying a very good set of stocks and just riding out your, you know, just sitting on them and riding it out. That's it. I was talking to my dad and I was telling him that this is one method of investment that we call invest and forget. You know, investing by forgetting. You invest and then you don't look at it for God knows how long. In fact, that was my next question to you. Because when you talk about risk, right, there is there are people who obsess about looking at their investments every single day. You know, I remember I also went through a phase where money control was permanently on my on my laptop ka home screen and I would keep checking and while if you're day trading maybe it's needed I don't know what is your suggestion on how often should you check your portfolio meddle with your portfolio think about your portfolio or the way that you invest so I can only talk about my own thing because you know that's what I've learned it's also something that we've written about in in the victory project it's simple you just buy a set of companies which are selected in a reasonably diligent way Okay, and there's a way to do that also. The coffee can investing is about that. Diamonds in the dust is about that. And once you buy the stocks, you just do nothing at all. Okay, the question will obviously come, but what if something goes wrong? When something goes wrong, then you have a set of questions that you ask yourself, you know, that has a story change. Was this only because of an event? And how wrong was this? Nestle is a great example. Look at the time when the Maggie controversy happened. Okay, did the story really change? No, it didn't. But at that point of time, you thought that this is horrible. This is the end of everything. You know, So you should just sell and go. Guys who stayed back, if not anything, man, the dividends you're getting every year is great. You know, mm. I remember that Motilal Oswal Ramdev Ji came on television and said that I really don't think anything's changed out here. And he was among the believers and he still held on to the stock. So if your core thesis does not change, then do not sell. That answers the question of what if things change and I have to sell. If not, then just sit on the stocks and never check the portfolio value. Okay. If you're reasonably confident you're going to hold this on for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, then why do you need to check it every six months or every three months? That's what I follow. Whatever my investments are, I have no idea what's the value. 
and I'm not even interested in knowing it, whether it's doing better than the market, whether it's not. Okay, that is just one school of thought. The second school of thought obviously is that what kind of a person are you? You know, if you're someone who's not used to being used, who doesn't have a very big risk appetite of things going up and down, fine, then by all means, check it every week, check it every month and keep on doing all that churn. There's research to show, there's research to show that all this stuff is really not going to improve your returns. I mean, if you think that staring at an app every day is going to make you a better investor, I don't know, man. I don't know. Show me the research and I'll be happy to say that I was wrong. First. Second, you know, having that spreadsheet and checking, you know, calculating the value and losing your mind over it is also not going to make you a better investor. It's not going to change the quality of your stocks. Okay. So for someone who's a long-term investor, do not check your portfolio values every day, every week. I think a three-month thing or a one-month thing should work for you. Mutual funds also, right? You got to give them a really long rope. Okay. They, they, even they have good years and bad years. Whenever I've invested in mutual funds, I've given them a minimum of five-year investment period and I would check them only at the end of each year. And only at the end of the third year, if I found that they're going spectacularly wrong, okay, for three years consecutive, then would I look at changing and churning. If not, one good year, one bad year, that's fine with me. Okay. If you are a day trader, then your life is changing prices. Okay. And that's fine. You know, then you'll be following a system. If you're a day trader, your life is prices. And that's fine. You know, then you'll, you know, your screen will be full of prices to do. So by all means, then keep on checking. But if you've got good stop losses, then, you know, then maybe that should work in your favor too. But don't be obsessed about stock prices, about NAVs. Just not going to work. Yeah. It, it very often becomes a part of your life and then takes up your time. And it overshadows the thing that you should be doing, which is earning the money so that you can be saving and putting it into money. I Always, think that's, right? that saving is yeah. the more important part yeah. in this whole process. I'm loving this discussion. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. Welcome back. Let's jump into the conversation. You know, the, the last part that we've spoken about is this whole concept of us having a safety net. You know, like you said, many people think that it's not about saving, it's about investing. It's not about, you know, there's so many buzzwords going around like that. Correct. But there are some things that you just have to just put away and have hard cash that when you need it, you need it. Right. Do you have thumb rules for that? What are your thoughts on creating the safety net, the safety bank? This Okay. Action. So safety net, emergency fund, whatever you want to call it. It should be enough for all your expenses for a certain period of time, assuming that you've got no income. Right. And this should be very different from your portfolio. Right. It should be very different from your house. A lot of people think that house is some kind of an... Guys, I mean, you know, the house that you're staying in that you bought with your hard-earned money, its value is zero. Its value is zero. Okay, it might make you feel good. That's good for you. But you're not going to sell it. Yeah. You know, it's helping you save on costs. Like you're not paying rent. That's a saving of costs. That's how an asset works, right? Don't count your house in that. Look at yourself and the amount of money that you need for each one. Let's say that, you know, you're someone who's staying in a... You know, in, in a metro who's got a reasonably good lifestyle, you're probably looking at at least a lakh, two lakhs per month, okay? Not a spectacularly high number, especially if you've got a family. You, your wife, your kid, whether you're single income, whether you're double income, doesn't really matter, okay? So you've got to look at two lakhs per month multiplied by 12. You've got to look at 24 lakhs in the bank at any given point of time. Okay, that's what an emergency fund is about, okay? Some people say that an emergency fund is a credit card. Because the credit card actually gives you that kind of 
you know, that kind of money, a higher limit credit card gives you that kind of liquidity to spend as much as you want. I kind of buy that. Okay. Yes, it's a, it is a compelling argument, but it should not stop you from still having that emergency fund. Okay? A credit card is nothing but a convenience because the credit card is a loan. Do not compare a loan to something in the bank. Both are very, very different things. What's in the bank is yours. Nobody can take it away from you. Okay. A credit card is ultimately a loan. It'll probably help you maybe for a month. Maybe you've got an emergency thing coming. And if someone accepts a credit card, it's like saying that, you know, you've got a 5 lakh rupee payment, but you've got 24 in the bank. Okay. Sure. Then use a credit card if you think that you can repay that. But don't touch that 24 lakhs. Okay. Use your income to repay that 5 lakhs. This is very clear. Credit fund, uh, a credit card is liquidity. An emergency fund is stability. And if the emergency fund goes down, you've got to keep on pouring into it. Okay. So that it remains stable all throughout. You probably, you know, you'll probably put it into a fixed deposit, which I know it doesn't give you much. You use 3%, 4%, 5%. You put it in a liquid fund. The idea is that the emergency fund cannot be touched. It has to come back in the same amount. So you do not put it in stocks. You do not put it in crypto. Just keep aside a reasonably large amount of money there. So, you know, the best part is that this has to do with, the, with your expenses. Okay, so if you're someone who's got a reasonably, someone who's reasonably stable, who's got a recurring income, who's, you know, who's reasonably confident about the future, you still, you still will need the emergency fund, but you'll feel more comfortable in life. Versus a 25-year-old who's starting off a job and his monthly income itself is 25,000. What emergency fund is that poor guy going to have here? He's not going to have an emergency fund, but he's also very young. He can make mistakes, right? Therefore, look at starting small on your emergency fund and building it up, okay? Say 500 a month, just get into the habit. Young, you know, when you're young, getting into the habit is more important. So that's the way I look at the safety fund or the emergency corpus. Should you start with the savings first or with the emergency fund first? A lot of people say that emergency fund is literally the first step of any investment plan. So do not start an SIP before you set aside the emergency fund. I think that's good advice. I would follow the advice. I would definitely follow the advice. It's, and then don't I start think investing from the, from the emergency fund. Then don't start an SIP from the emergency fund. No, man. <laughs> one of the simplest ways is one of the simplest and easiest way, old school, old school, recurring deposit. You know, if 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 this was 20, 30 years ago, you would have to sit and fill up forms and give it to the branch manager and this and that. Now it's all online. Just hmm. just just set aside 500 bucks every month, you know, 1000 bucks every month and don't look at it. Just let it go in a nice safe place. Sit there. Don't think about it. Whatever's left after that, you know, then you look at investing. But I think the advice that people give, I think it's on point. I would look at an emergency fund before starting an investment. Absolutely brilliant. What is the one advice that you wish you had gotten when you started off that you've learned through experience? <laughs> Ajahn, I, I really don't believe in that question. I mean, if all of us, if all of us had followed, if all of us knew back in 1996 what to do, you know, we wouldn't be in this shit right now. Okay. And 1996 because it's 25 years ago. And today's, you know, it's, it's 2021. I, I don't believe, you know, I believe in learning from our mistakes. I don't believe in regret. What I meant was not, not knowing the past, you, but tell, I'm saying that I'll as a young you, I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Hmm. So everybody wants to learn things early in life and I appreciate that. I think the one thing that probably missed me that I should have given a little bit more effort to was hard work, was discipline, was, you know, having a plan. Okay. I think these three things, see... When you're young, you need to be conceptually at the right bent of mind. Everything else is kind of comes from there. If you're disciplined, you're going to save a lot of money. If you if if you have a plan, you're going to follow that. If you have a frame of reference, then you know, okay, this is risk, this is return, this is how much I've, I've put. 
I was more bohemian here, you know. I was like, live by the day, enjoy life, this, this, that, that. I think if I tweaked some stuff out there early on, I think I think I would have, you know. But like I said, no regrets. The stuff that I've done that I've really enjoyed, I was very lucky to land up in the stock markets when I did, uh, you know, and learn a lot because I worked with what I think are the smartest, one of the smartest minds in India at that point of time. I had a lot of things going my way at that point of time about. These are the only three things that I think that I sh- should have known better because I was looking at the results and not at the underlying. That's the way that I look at this. Superb. The hard work, the discipline, all of that comes first. Beyond that, understand what to do with the money that you have and the savings that you have. I yeah, love and, it. Yeah, because hard work, discipline and frame of reference. Understanding what risk and return is. See, because in your entire life, and I hope that everybody lives long, most of your investments will result from just maybe two or three very big bets that you take in your life. Okay, one bet is of course that you take on yourself. Two or three bets are probably the job that you have. Okay, or the startup that you start or the venture that you do. Those are the source of your money. Not this investment, SIP and all that. You know, when you're 60, 65, you're going to look back and if you've got a nice, big, super, very good looking pot of money, chances are that you were very good at what you did. Whether it was a job, you you know, or whether it was your firm, rather than that, you know, you did as, I mean, I'm not running down the, the, the virtues of an SAP. What I'm trying to say is that the big amount of wealth is made with risk. The retirement corpuses are made out of SIPs and disciplined decisions. Okay, and both are very, very different. That's all I'm saying. I think that's such a beautiful point to end on because it just puts everything in perspective, right? Where should your focus be? Your focus should be on the best investment you can make, which is the investment in yourself. Because when you make that investment, the opportunity of earning far more is greater than whatever the market can possibly give you till then. Yeah, I mean, I just ran a survey last week where I said, what's your biggest regret, right? And there were three options I gave. I think sold sold too early, bought too late and didn't buy enough. Mm. Okay, Basically saying that if, you know, if you're someone who invests in the stock market and the stock market is running crazy, then there are only three things that you could do wrong. One is, you know, you sold too early mm. and the stock doubles and triples after that. You're screwed, okay? Second is you bought too late, that you believed in the story but you were a little bit late, you know. So, you made 100%, but you could have made 300%, okay, which is still fine. And the third, which everybody went for, surprisingly, didn't buy enough, okay. That's nothing but greed, but that's what risk is about, mm. right. You take the largest bet in your life on yourself, the health that you have, the job that you do, the lifestyle that you choose, right. That's the bigger decision than putting 500 to SIPs and all that. So that's what I meant when I said that. That's the stuff that really pays you off in a very big way in life. In fact, you know, your questions are so interesting because the last question, like you said, was greed. The second, I mean, didn't buy enough is like saying that I should have bought 100 shares, but I bought only 50 shares. Are you still made? You're still making tons of money on 50 shares. You missed out on the other 50. That's fine. Yeah, that's life. Right. So that that, that was greed. The second one I, I found interesting, which was potential loss, potential gains. Right. I could have... But like, I, I didn't. So this whole concept of potential and I could have, I should have, I would have, it drives me bananas, but it drives people crazy in terms of the stress that they have. Yeah, yeah. Right? I had a target of this and I didn't get it because of the environmental reasons and all of that. Okay, fine, cool. But your target, that means you didn't make a loss technically. You just didn't achieve the target that you had put, in, put for yeah, yourself. Yeah. Especially from the last two years, this is the big learning that, that I've noticed amongst people. Yeah, it's okay. Like, it goes back to what I said. Don't don't be too harsh on yourself. Learn learn your lesson. Because learning lessons is also 50% right, 50% wrong. Some people learn the lessons that I didn't buy enough. So when the next opportunity comes in, they go, they go overboard. Mm. And then that doesn't do as well as the other. 
So that's that's the thing about stocks. It's too uncertain. Correct. It's it's part of it. Anupam, I love this conversation. How can people get in touch with you? Find out more. You know, and and keep in touch with this conversation. Keep it going. Fifty on Twitter, man. If anybody is on Twitter, then that's me. If you guys want to drop me a mail, Anupam Nine Gupta at Gmail dot com. Uh, my LinkedIn is open. Twitter, you know, is is there. Whichever way you want to reach out to me, man, I'm more than happy to answer any questions that you guys have. I'm writing a book also uh, for the rest of this year. Hopefully, I hope to finish the manuscript by the end of this year, and I hope that that will answer, you know, that will answer a lot of the questions that I get from time to time, and also. you know if it's good help people out superb and please go listen to paisa vesa and you. Uh, and you know yeah and and share it and tell everybody about it anupam thank, thank you thank so you. much for coming on the habit coach thank podcast thank you for having me here at thank you so much my pleasure if you like this podcast don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can listen to us on the ivm podcast app or ivmpodcast.com you can also follow us on social media We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Ashden Doc on Twitter and Instagram. You can find lots more information on my website, awesome180.com, or check out different content on my YouTube channel called A W E S O M E One Eight Zero. That's Awesome One Eighty.